0: Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for.
2: All right, once again, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Tide Chasers Podcast, where we connect you guys with all our local anglers, whether they be local as in Tri-State or all the way up in Connecticut, Rhode Island area, wherever we can get some of these anglers out to come here and give you guys as much info as possible to make you guys a better angler. Now, today, we have our favorite professor on board with me today as my co-host, as this is one of his uh, good friends that we're going to bring on board. Um, but before we do, let me get you guys to find us on our social medias, on Facebook at Tide Chasers Podcast, also on Instagram at Tide underscore chasers, also where are all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, Google, any of those, you guys can definitely find us. And last but not least, check us out on our newest of uh, venture, which is Waypoint TV Podcast Collective. We're definitely on there if you can't find us on any other spots. Uh, besides that, once again, I'm going to introduce my co-host, Bobby Norgaard. How you doing, Professor? I'm
0: doing well. How about yourself?
2: Good, good, man. It's winter time for me. You know, I don't do much fishing. I just sit around and do not do much. I see you over there tying some flies. Uh, besides that...
0: Yeah, I am truly excited for this podcast this week. Um, mostly because it is a good friend of mine that we try to fish as much as we can, except for it seems to never work out. We were supposed to fish together actually this weekend, but supposed to be like sub... Sub what degree weather and it's supposed to snow like a foot. So we decided to use the uh, squishy thing in between our ears for once and not go out. Um, But uh, this is a he's a father foremost. He's a a true outdoorsman. Um, He's a guide at the West Branch Angler during the spring and summer. Uh, And then currently he is a guide at Tailwater Lodge in Pulaski um, during the fall and winter for the Steelhead and Salmon Run, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. Uh, he's a syrup farmer, underground, I believe, uh, and a very good friend
1: of mine. So welcome to the show, Matt Ertzinger. How are you, bud? I'm doing great. Thanks, Bobby, for having me. Both of you guys, I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on your show. Well, thank you for joining us.
0: Yeah. Um, I know you were just on the water, so how how did that go today? I know
1: you just pulled in, right? So yeah, I literally just covered up the boat and walked in the door. Um, had some unfinished business to take care of, and here we are. Um, no, it was a good day uh they, it's really funny because as you know uh looking at the river flow forecast for yesterday it was kind of all over the place and didn't know where it was going to land and they actually landed it they said 750 it landed at 335 which oh, nice. was a little unexpected so it was low but yeah, yeah we, we did good we went four for four today
0: so perfect That's pretty here <laughs> um
1: so so before we get into the
0: salmon river and steelhead fishing we we usually like to take it back to your beginnings okay Um, so how'd you get into the fishing how'd you get into the fishing industry usually there's a fatherly influence in there but but give us your backstory here
1: so i started fishing pretty heavily um when i was a teenager in oregon and really started chasing trout and um especially steelhead you know um ran with a group of guys that were really into whitewater canoeing and, um, upland hunting and fly fishing and kind of ran with them. And that's how I kind of fell in love with all three of those things. Um, and then that led me to just being, you know, just wanting to be on the water. Didn't even matter if I was fishing or not. I just need to be on the water every day. I don't know what it is. Um, so being, a, you know, being out there as a youngster and chasing the fish around and being out on the water was great and it kind of just led me to where I am today just you know I got a great excuse to be on the water it's my job so and how'd you end up coming out east um so came out east with my wife um she was from where we live now and I um traveled east with her been here for I think 12, 13 12 or 13 years now
0: do you, do you miss the fishing out there or is it pretty good over here too?
1: I mean, it's unbelievable here. It took me a while to warm up and we didn't have a lot of brown trout out there. So, you know, mostly rainbows in Oregon. So uh, there's a few, few brown trout spots, but I didn't know much about it. So the nymph game, the brown trout game, all that was like brand new to me when I moved to New York. And actually, we had a pretty tough go at the beginning. Just didn't know really how to grasp it because it wasn't what I was used to. And then just started exploring. I can't remember how many streams I fished that first year um, or the second year. I'm sorry, but it was probably up, you know, 75, 80 streams um, and just started finding trout and all of them figured it out.
0: Yeah, it's not the chubby uh, Chernobyl game as it is out west, which.
1: No, 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 no.
0: I'm a little sad about honestly. I like crushing trout on chubbies, but every once in a while you find one that takes one, but it's not the same. Right, right. Uh, all right, so let, let's get into your home waters here. I mean, you spend right. spring and summer on the Delaware, but let's focus mostly on the Salmon yep. River today and Pulaski well, or Pulaski? I
1: don't uh, well, the, the general is Pulaski, but the people from that area like to,
0: you know, it's Pulaski for some reason. the Lancaster-Lancaster thing, right? Oh, yep. Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. Oh. So, so give us what's happening right now. I mean, you can even start from the fall uh, with yep. the salmon
1: so, Um Go Yeah, ahead. so this year has kind of been a weird year, um, with the, especially with the weather. Uh, we haven't had the strongest salmon or seal head run by our normal standards. But um, the fishing, you know, it's the salmon river. Even on a bad year, you're spoiled there, okay? You don't get a river like the salmon river. Um, in many regions, you know, and it's just so special Um, with the amount of fish and the numbers of species and, you know, the timing. You could have five species in there on October, migratory species and get them all. Um, But, you know, the years past have been banner. This year is one of those years where, you know, it's okay, but you got to work pretty hard. Um, all season long, we've had to work hard for the fish. We've had a lot of high water, a lot of rain, really wet September, October. um, And it brought, you know, obviously some heavy flows. So um, even in October, you know, the water was up at 2000, I believe. And so it either gave the fish a super highway to get right up as far as they wanted to go um, or those fish, you know, kind of just trickled in and never really came in with that big first push. Yeah. So we're still kind of hunting them, you know, you're not whacking them, but, um, as the winter goes on, you know, that upper river really fills up with fish above the Pineville bridge. That's where they're all headed. So we're getting bigger numbers now. You know, we did pretty good today considering, uh, the water was low and clear and they took a good foot and a half off their head, um, last night by dropping it down to 335. So generally it kind of freaks out the fish, but you know, they're there. You just got to work for them yeah
0: and and what's the I mean I I make several runs every year and I know there's a couple people from Jersey that go with me and actually uh one of the tuna captains Jim Fredda runs up there every year and writes an article for the fisherman magazine what's the uh I mean I know it's a war zone it's always been a war zone Uh is it is it worse than ever only I'm asking because COVID has brought out like this whole new regiment of fishermen so um
1: until last week i'm going to be honest until last week right after the holidays i i can't believe the pressure that december brought to the steelhead there was a lot of people out um a lot of bank anglers um just a lot of center pinners honestly i've seen a lot more center pinners than i have in the past so you know that's a whole new breed that's coming out they can get they don't need access from a boat they can just get right on shore and pitch their, their float out. They're, they're gonna do pretty good. Um, but yeah. I've seen a lot more penner, center pinners pin in this year from the shore, especially like I said, into December. It's been pretty high volume.
0: You, you think it has something to do with the warm season we've had so, thus far and not scaring Def- people off yet? And
1: Definitely think it, it's, uh, you know, higher waters, pinners paradise. They, hmm. they don't mind that high water. It's harder to fly fish, um, but the pinners don't mind. So I think the high water, you know, brought some guys out. I think that the shitty condition—I'm sorry—the the poor conditions out west um, are bringing guys from that usually want to fish out there for steelhead. They're they're, uh, they're coming to the Great Lakes. So I think we've seen increased pressure. I know mean, I've had calls from out west, and I usually don't get those. Mm. So this year yeah. has been the first year I've gotten those. You know, those calls Wait, from north those,
0: those calls from out west are because. You can't steelhead out there right now I mean I know they shut down the steelhead fishery
1: in um, some the regions ad- their guides won't take them they they the guides aren't working
0: so I see so they're coming out east now to this fish is out the alternative yep. interesting
1: something that I'm you know a little concerned about in the future but we'll see what happens yeah hopefully hopefully the fishing out west bounces back
0: yeah it's uh I, I wish we knew the biology behind what was happening out there but um, lots of
1: talk of climate change, lots of talk of poaching. Um, there's, all kinds of, there's all kinds of weird things going on out there. Yeah. I don't know. It's a conglomeration yeah. of it all, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. So be, be, before we get into like fishing techniques, so get, take one step back again. Yep. What happens on the Salmon River in the fall that creates this awesome fishing? What makes the salmon start running and then behind them comes the steelies and, yep. and, and yep. all of that?
1: So... Um, you know, uh, I honestly want to say, it seems like the salmon are coming in a little earlier and the steelhead are coming in a little earlier than they have in the past. And the cohos were in really early this year. Um, but usually what triggers it, the salmon are going to come in first, right? They're ready to go. They're coming up to spawn, go back to the hatchery, into the headwaters, which there are some, a lot of natural reproduction and salmon, you know, in the cohos and in the Kings, um, in the salmon river. So they're all coming up, you know, late August, September, they're gonna wanna start coming up um, to get up to the headwaters to spawn in October. So um, you got the pilot fish, the first pods are coming in early, there's some scattered fish. And then, you know, you get those big pushes, the estuary fills up with the Kings and the cohos are mixed in and they're filing in, and they're coming in and they're starting to lay eggs and the steelhead key in on that, right? Um, The brown trout are also coming in in the fall to spawn, okay? Um, One thing I just want to kind of throw out there, the kings are coming in, end of their life. They're going to come in, they're going to spawn, and they're going to die. The the trout species, the Atlantic salmon, um, will not do that necessarily. They have chances to spawn multiple times and go back to the lake. Um, We call those our white mouth species on the river. And we are all, you know, we want to be advocates to protect those whitemouth species. Um, so we strongly um, promote catch and release for like the steelhead, the Atlantic salmon, the brown trout, all those. That's pretty important, you know, to, to keep this, this, uh, this fishery alive, fishery going. Um, but anyway, back to the kings. The kings are going to file in with the cohos. They're gonna start digging reds and spawning. pheromones are going crazy, egg scents. The steelhead are gonna start coming in and they're gonna start feeding on the eggs. Mid-October, you know, you got a pretty good push of steelhead starting to come in and they're gonna hit bright, you know, they're they're rainbow trout. They hit a lot of bright flies. So we're using big egg patterns, uh, pretty blingy, um, you know, lots of pinks and oranges, unnatural colors um, that really draw those fish's attention the steelhead are going to grab those bright flies in the early in the early push um so they're really keying in on the eggs um the brown trout are in spawning. Uh, they're the the steelhead love eating the brown trout eggs too so you know we're mixing and matching colors um and just try and find what those fish want then come let's see steelhead are in the river they're eating the eggs the 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 salmon have kind of kicked that off mid-october you're going to start getting more and more steelhead coming in along with some leftover atlantic salmon there's going to be brown trout in the river lakers have been known to come in and chasing bait fish and also eating eggs and also we've been getting pinks in the past couple years so october is a really weird time You never know what you're going to get. I don't know any other river in the world that you have that opportunity to get an Atlantic salmon, a Pacific salmon, three species of Pacific salmon, and a steelhead, and possibly a Laker. And we actually caught a baby northern pike a couple years ago on an egg pattern. So (laughs) you never know what you're going to get. Um, Did that kind of answer your question? I kind of went off on a different.
0: No, you you went. You were perfect. um, Just let's talk about the end though, because there's. Yeah, so the drop, end. Season.
1: Yep. So the end. Um. So the the steelhead are in the river, right? And they're eating on eggs. And so mid November, we're starting to use a little duller colors, more natural, like a peachy fleshy color to almost a dead egg, which is a white egg. Um, we're gonna start doing better on those shades, uh, like light chartreuse. Um, we call them tangerine. Is a great color. And we're still keen on, on on the eggs and what they're, but they're more muted colors, generally. Um, and then all of a sudden, right now, you know, we did okay on stoneflies today under the indicator, we got a couple fish. So they're starting to transition to act way more like a regular rainbow trout than a migratory trout. They're settling into their winter holes. They're dropping back out of the fast water. They're starting to eat insects. They're keen on the insects. You know, they're, they're mainly chasing bait fish out in the lake. Um, so they don't really know what, ex- you know, they don't have that knowledge, that confidence, I don't think until now on eating stoneflies or, um, aquatic insects for the most part. Um, and we're going to fish those, a mix of eggs and stoneflies right until, um, April. Then the fish are going to kind of shut down. Steelhead are going to go into their spawn mode. They're going to dig their reds. They're moving in onto gravel. They kind of get tight lipped and um, they don't eat as well. Um, But as soon as that spawns over and they're starting to drop back to the lake, um, it is it's that's like wildfire. So you can catch them any way you want. You can swing for them, nymph for them, pretty much any way they're grabbing. They're they're depleted of all their caloric value and they are trying to rebuild that. So they're super grabby. Um, I personally don't I've never fished a drop back season in Oregon or here in New York. I've never caught a drop back fish in either state. Um, I'm on to the Delaware by the time that happens. So
0: but I know it can
1: be very good. Yep.
0: Yep. You um you didn't mention blue at all.
1: And I feel like that is like the steelhead color. Funny thing you say that. Our last fish today. We ran a run, and I rode back up, and we put blue on it. We went through again, and on a second cast, he got fish. There you go. Okay, well, so My belief in the blue is um, Great Lakes. I don't know. Steelhead love it. I think it has to do regionally with the Great Lakes. We've always put blue claret on our flies that we swing out west, and our showgirls, and our classic steelhead flies. You know, they, they'll all have a little bit of blue in them. Um, The background I think is the key for the Great Lakes. I think with that tannic water that the blue kind of pops out as a different color. Um, They see blue in a different way. And I think in our tannic water, it really pops out to them. So that's why like um, the guys running egg sacks, they use the blue netting it still looks white but there's just a little blue tint to it. I think it kind of pops out to the steelhead um, in in that manner. Uh, I don't know if they visually see it, you know, as like an ultraviolet type shade or something like that, that they key in onto, but I do think it stands out, um, in our, in our dark waters, sure. but it's, it's an enigma kind of, I don't know. They, they crush blue. It's such a weird thing. And you're like, blue, weird. such an unnatural color. There's nothing out there that naturally says, you know, eat me. I'm blue. But yeah. yet, you know, we, we had on a little blue egg pattern right at the end of the day today.
0: Yeah. My, my go-to fly, actually, when I'm up there and I'm just prospecting is a stone fly, black stone mm-hmm. fly, but it's got like a blue belly. Yep. You can't look any more unnatural, right? Like that is the weirdest looking bug I've ever seen. And somehow they just key in on it and, and go for it, right? It's the old blue belly stone fly. Yeah. <laughs> it's the steelhead favorite. Um, I mean, you mentioned a little bit of this. So when, when you're fishing for them, you're, you're nymphing mostly obviously. Uh, under an indicator, are you, uh, I call it bottom bouncing. Yep. Um,
1: so in the fall, I prefer to swing. Um, if you have the right client or the right um, person that wants to, to learn or that comes up just to swing, cause that's the time. So I get a lot of guys that only want to swing in the fall. This time of year, absolutely. We're under an indicator. We might be running on the bottom. Um, I prefer not to uh if we can help it just because there's that chance that higher risk of foul hook and fish depending on where you are if you're in the main river the fish are pretty spread out when you get into the fly zone um they're pretty concentrated in those pools and you run risk of foul hook and fish um so i usually try and fish under a float so um that's the big difference i mean tight lining or bottom bouncing or whatever it's pretty effective you feel every little and you do get good eats. You're slowing down that fly quite a bit. And that's uh, definitely a key in a winter presentation is slowing your fly down. You know, Out West, when you're swinging in the winter, you're using a heavy sink and you're mending and mending and, mending and really slowing that fly down through your drift, through your swing. Um, and That's kind of what the bottom bouncing, you're ticking a lot more. So it's really slowing that fly down and giving a good look. But under the indicator, you're getting such a great natural drift um if you can stack your line and feed um and get a nice long drift kind of mimicking those pinners you really increase your odds by a big long drift and like i said it's a natural drift they, they tend to grab it pretty good so,
0: so so you remember my first trip up there with you yes absolute disaster
1: come on
0: i Kwa, we were with jason i'll right. tell the story we were with jason and and we're out with matt and I mean, I've spoken to Matt before, but he was like, come on up. We'll take you out. And we launch out of the boat. And I don't know, we're 10 minutes in and Jason hooks a doozy. And then we're 20 minutes in and Jason hooks another fish. And then it kind of slowed down a little bit, but then Jason hooks like another fish. And meanwhile, I'm just over there just drinking beer and not having a good day. And the end of the day, ends and Jason's caught eight fish and I haven't even hooked one. <laughs> wow. It's been a terrible. It was a great day, but um I was bottom bouncing for almost the first time. I never really fished that way. Um, and I kept asking Matt, what the hell am I feeling for? Like what, is, like you're feeling everything. Tick, 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 tick.
1: What do you, what do you tell clients you're feeling for with that? Okay, good question. So a different flows, bottom bouncing definitely works better than other flows. And um, recently, actually just last weekend, I had a gentleman, from the the steelhead school that came back up, really love steelhead fishing. We were doing some fishing and I thought a couple of times he had a fish on, right? And he goes and he lifts the rod, he comes tight and then he drops the rod and then there's nothing there and like, it's all freed up. Um, And I said, I think that was a fish. No, 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 that was a rock, okay. So it happened like four or five times. Finally, at the end of the day, It happens and he finally, like he comes tight and I say, just stay tight to it. He stayed tight to it, he stayed tight to it. And then it started moving, okay? And he's like, that's a fish. And I go, yeah, I think you probably had like three on today from what I see. So a lot of times you won't even notice. It's such a soft take, especially in the winter. It's not like, um, it's like an explosive hit and go. So it's kind of tough sometimes. Um, That's why the indicator, I, I reverted back to the indicator bobber goes down you know most likely it's a fish um it's it's a kind of a foolproof method the tight lining you is once again i think you have to have kind of the right person that can feel the technique that knows the technique because they've done it um like your own nymphing but um it's their subtle takes bobby it's hard to say you know I, it, I remember it like yesterday what you told me it was the end of the day and we're
0: standing in the fly zone and i finally hooked one on, on your secret fly. I won't expose it. It was a woolly bugger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I finally hooked one, and of course it broke me off. It was really depressing. And again, I came to you, I said, what am I feeling for? And you already looked at me, and you said, Bob, I don't know what you're feeling for. You're feeling for an eight-pound
1: fish on the end of your line. <laughs> like, what you're feeling for, okay? You're <laughs> feeling oh for God. a tug on the other end of the line. Thanks, Matt. Oh, oh shit. That's funny. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's really hard. Like, I've had people say, I think that was a fish. I think that was a fish. The only way is just, you know, I say, when in doubt, check it out. Guys say hook sets are free, Mm, you know? Well, I say, when in doubt, check it out. Just give a little Twitch, make sure that it's, you know, it's not in something's mouth. And if you prick it and it gets pissed, it's going to start swimming away.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I did redeem myself that trip because I woke up at 4am the next day and stood in the fly zone to get my spot. And then I ended up going seven fish and Jason got one. So I feel pretty good. About yeah. So
1: I always have to fish two days.
0: I remember calling you afterwards and I was like, I don't know what I was doing yesterday. I don't know what happened. Like it was just such a meltdown. <laughs> um, but getting to that, I mean, these fish, even out West, I think it's a lot harder out West. Cause you're, you're, you're looking for that one fish that decides to be in the river at that moment. Um, they call it the steelhead, the fish of a thousand casts. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, you're out there with a client you're having a terrible day is there anything you do to keep your spirits up to to make them feel like this isn't a terrible trip or is it just you got to grind
1: whatever you do don't grab the rod when they say you try and hook a fish i'll tell you that right now (laughs) um i mean it's it's a grind some days are a grind some days aren't it's fishing yeah you know Um, I've had, I had a couple bad days, you know, luckily I've hooked fish every day. I haven't gone a day without hooking at least, you don't always get them in, but there was a couple days that it was like the super grind and I was getting worried. I'm like, am I doing something wrong? What's going on? But then talking to the other guides, you know, they're all like, yeah, the fish are acting weird. They're just not eating. They're going to have to eat sometime. And then of course they do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had my, my wife walk off the river before because she couldn't catch a fish and then she says you try and one cast nail a fish right i don't know how that happens
1: i'm telling you right now bob here's my theory so this is what i do every day i i have a fly i'm going to start with and i know i'm going to change my fly every 10 minutes until i hook a fish and that's what we did today we would run a run i we changed flies constantly we went back up Tried another set of flies and it was like always the first or second cast. That's when we were hooking those fish today. So it had to do with a fly change or being at the right place at the right time. Yeah. You know, I, I we I changed flies a lot. Um, patterns, sizes, colors, all that, you know, just like the the uh center pinners and float guys, they're gonna change their bead size, their bead colors, um, the size of their egg sacks with a sack, without a sack, with a bead on with the sack. You know, it's all, every day is different. So, I feel like that's it's a, like, I talked to one guy today and he's like, yeah, we're crushing them on 12 millimeter beads at 335. Well, you would think they're eating smaller stuff, Yeah, you know, at 335, yeah. but they were going for the big, big, that's a big bead. Yeah.
0: I've, I've talked about this on a previous podcast, but I feel like that's kind of a new mindset only because. Um, all of George Daniel's new dynamic nymphing, right? If if you got to switch it up constantly and figure out what's going on because I I was trained by my father who would fish one fly until he died. Like he knew that this was the fly that worked there one time and that's it. I will not be, I will make them eat this fly, right? And it's just not it's not an effective way to fish. Like you said, you just got to keep changing it up and, and and see what they want. And I apologize my wife is calling me in the middle of this um anyway let, let's talk about one more thing about steelheading because yep. right we we canceled this trip this weekend because it's going to be like negative 40 and so yep. and, and snow, like
1: snow. Yeah.
0: yeah right so it just wouldn't be good but the snow okay, of, okay. Just, i the, actually the, like fishing the snow it makes it pretty honestly the zero
1: but, degrees is a little tough
0: yeah um what do you do to stay warm any any i mean you have to have tricks how do you keep okay. ice off the guides? Because Kawhi is there shaking his head. I don't know if you saw that. He hates fishing in the cold. Yeah. And I I always take him fishing in the cold. I take him in January and December. And and I don't know if we'll ever get him steelheading because it might be too much for him.
1: <laughs> you get him up in the fall. He'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful uh, water in the fall. Um. So staying dry is huge, obviously, right? We want a layer. We don't want to wear cotton. Most of us know that. Um. My, if you can get a boot foot waiter, a good boot foot waiter, like a Gore Tex boot foot, that would be ideal. Uh, the de- the thing is, you know, we're out there waiting, and we might put on an extra layer of socks, or um, put in like the little foot heaters or whatever it might be. Um, I don't really believe in any of that. I wear one pair of socks. Okay, I don't want my feet to sweat too much, they're always going to, but I don't want them like dripping. If you wear two pairs of socks sometimes and you're doing some hiking, walking in, you get to your spot, your feet are soaked, you get out in the water and what happens is you go out in a neoprene booty like most of us have um, and the pressure from the water is gonna push on your booty, pushes all the air out up into your pant leg and that air insulation is huge. That's what's keeping our feet warm. When we compress that down, um, there's no air insulation and in there's just neoprene on wool on foot. You don't have any real good insulation. So your toes are going to get cold. I wear a heavy pile sock. Um, I've tried every freaking sock by any, every weeding manufacturer. Me I go fast, to bro. To, I get a redhead and they're good for like 30 wears. They're like six bucks, but they got a really thick pile. Right. And so um, when your booty goes to the, Go around your foot from the pressure of the water that kind of doesn't let it compress, so you have that layer of air insulation in there. My feet stay pretty warm, I found. I never have really used um, foot warmers or electric socks or anything like that. Um, I've doubled up, found out this is a mistake. You know, one pair of socks is all you need, just a good thick pair. Um, but like I said, if you can get a, a good boot foot wader that's the way to go because they're roto molded they can't compress they have that air pocket no matter how deep you wade, the deeper you wade in waders, the more air gets pushed out of them and the colder you're going to get it's generally not the upper body people complain about it's their fingers their hands and their toes um you know the little appendages so um my my trick with hands is i can't fish with gloves i don't know how people do drives me nuts watching people because they're fumbling and they're missing fish because they can't feel them or they're missing the line. And I've seen guys try nitrile gloves. Um, I've seen it all, I can't do it. I have a big pair of mittens and when my hands get cold, they go in the mittens. I'll take a break um, for five or 10 minutes to warm up my hands before I get back out there. Um, You know, dipping your hands in to get a fish, that's gonna make them cold, so, you know it can be a catch 22 on good days when it's really cold out you don't want to put your hands back in the water again yep yep my biggest thing is i carry towel
0: actually i have a little towel that i carry with me yep Um, perfect you dry off your hands i've been blessed i think you are too with with really good blood flow because i cannot fish with gloves at all either and uh, my hands just don't get cold i have heard of people using like vitamin a lotion or maybe it's vitamin d lotion or something Um, okay I've never tried it, but uh, they swear it works. It's like baby lotion, I think, or something. But hmm. um, interesting, the, yeah. the socks are funny yeah. because I had the same experience. I used to double up with the mindset that more is better, right? More layers is better. Um, it wasn't until I ripped my waiter that I realized it wasn't a good idea because I was trying to stuff in like six socks into my boot. A- and as I was pulling in the boot, well, explosion happened. And uh-oh. And- that was an expensive mistake, but uh, I am the same way. One, one pair of nice socks. That's all you really need. That's it. Um, quiet. How do you feel about cold? You've been kind of quiet over there. <laughs> Man,
2: cold's not my thing. I tried it all—the expensive thick wool socks. I even took the uh, the electric socks. The, remember, I went on that trip.
0: Oh, so I remember they, you were you were lined up like a Christmas tree.
2: Yeah, I had my electric socks going. At the same time, it didn't help. You know what? It did? By the end of the day, my my feet felt like bricks. Like literally, I think, I think, you, I think, it, I think um, that's right. It's the uh, circulation. It's just, there's no circulation because I was doubled up with socks and then like right into the, the, waiters waders. And it just, it just fit like all that stuff layers on. And I feel like it's like the rest of my body's warm, hundred percent, nothing, but it's just yep. my feet and my hands and my frozen guides. That's it. That's the only thing yep. that bothers me.
1: <laughs> that's generally the, those are the three complaints on winter fishing, hands, feet, mm. Why is why are my guides frozen?
0: Yeah, guides guides are my the bane of my existence. I cannot stand that crap. When the guides start going, it's time to call it a day. You just you can't fish with that. I mean,
2: well then I have bad luck fishing with Bobby all the time because every time I go out with him trout fishing, I am always in the drink. Like for some reason, I catch a weird brock. <laughs> I'm in the I'm the first one in the drink. Doesn't matter.
0: He made he made that sound like it's only trout fishing. We went surf fishing this year, and he yeah. also so it's not <laughs> always in the
2: drink all right i'm always in a drink fishing with bobby that's just it had, my,
1: my buddy who i was fishing with today bob you know we, we had these fish on we were on five pounds he didn't want me to pull the anchor because we wanted to stay in the spot so he was getting out of the boat today and he's 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 like a ninja like he puts one foot down and it goes you know we're in two feet of water and his foot goes down to the bottom of the river and he's standing the other foot's heel hooked on the side of the boat and i'm just filming him Waiting for him to go in, I'm like, he's gonna go in. This is gonna be great, dude. I'm gonna <laughs> laugh. He's yeah. gonna laugh. We're gonna laugh. He just—he was like a freaking ninja. Knock the he landing, g- getting free and oh, fish brought up in the air. Fish on still, you know. And he made that dismount out of the boat like freaking Mary Lou Retton. It was awesome. Twice he did it.
2: <laughs> I probably could have done. That. I could probably could have done that in my 20s, not in my 40s. <laughs> Um, some people
1: have it don't worry it's all right
0: you got you have any horror stories speaking of some situation
1: like that um i mean seen a lot of people go down it's never had i I don't think i've ever had a really bad one um not on the salmon river anyway but uh, i've seen a lot of people go down especially in the dsr in the fall they get pretty they think you know pretty slippery down there there's a lot of slate a lot of shale down there and it's just like a big grease flat sidewalk that algae or 80 degree water in the summer that algae gets on there and uh it gets pretty greasy down there i've seen a lot of people go down actually
0: i I saw a video this year of a guy get taken out by a salmon you
1: ever seen anything like that i want to i've seen like uh the 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 chinese carp taking people out right (laughs) whatever i don't think what happened
0: he, it was yeah. just, he was not in a shallow piece of water and like a, a 20 pound salmon came up and smacked him in the boot. And he just went right down. Like it, it was, I mean, I'll find the video and sent it to you. Cause it's pretty funny. I mean, he, he didn't see it coming at all. It just whacked him and he just
1: went down. The salmon but, said, will be mine. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well, I, I had a question. Um, You guys talked about a little bit earlier. You guys said that uh, Pulaski sometimes is, is a super war zone up there when the season's perfect. Now, like, I, I just hear it, and I hear rumors. Now, is it really that bad? Like, are the people up there that bad? Does it get that bad up there? Because I'm from Jersey, so I know what combat fishing is when it comes, like, striper season and fall, where shoulder to shoulder, lines tangle, people get aggressive. I've heard it's
1: similar to that, yep. I've never been down there for that, but I heard it's similar. It's pretty bad. Okay. I mean, I, I it's, is it bad? It's just crazy what these mm-hmm. fish do and the crowds that they draw, the salmon especially. It's just it's crazy to me and yeah. people do get pretty uptight like uh, uh, there was um there's always fights like you always hear mm-hmm. these fights There was like an mma guy that just went loose on <coughs> some poor guy to, this year and kicked the crap out of him over a fish i, I don't get it but it, it does it's like the wild west I it, it, coming it, through town on the weekends you're gonna see you know the cops with guys you know pulled over on you know walking down the sidewalk or whatever and whether they're drinking too much or breaking you know the um the dec's laws or whatever it might be but it's causing trouble one way or another yeah. i mean like i you know crazy
2: I, I know there's gotta be some etiquette up there because i've been seeing some of the videos and especially us fly guys when we hit into a big a big steelhead or something you know how they like to run they run all over a the place there is just no hose bar and then you got to like chase them down river or you got to chase them up river and there's like six seven guys in your way and you're like trying to clear people like i'm coming down like is there an etiquette to all this
1: there's zero etiquette that's no, that's, that's the famous line coming down
0: coming down yeah, fish, so coming
1: down. that's it i'll tell you right now it seems like during that crazy season if something. It's gonna go wrong, it's gonna go wrong. It's gonna to happen to you. Whether it's your fish gets tangled or goes down or um, whatever it is, but yeah, you just gotta say, I'm coming down, hopefully you guys are, you know, gonna get out of your way and reel in, but some guys will just keep casting. I mean, you gotta work hard for some of these fish, especially steelhead season, you know? You start buttoning into those, or button up those, uh, those fresh fish and they do whatever they want. They're like torpedoes and you never know and you know some guys they just they don't know any better I don't think they know the etiquette that this fish could do whatever it wants to stop casting until you get it in or get it under control but yeah I mean I would say if you get a fish on you just got to kind of let people know without being you know be a little humble about it not like announcing it to the whole county but just let them know you're coming down you got a fish and you're hoping to land it
2: yeah (sighs) yeah No, me and my fancy feet, I'll be the first one taking my head, taking a dunk and towed down the river on, on, on by a salmon.
1: That's why That's why you want to be there in the early season. Wet wading, you know, 60, 65 degree water. It doesn't matter if you go down. It's nice. Bob,
2: Bob if we go, you know I'm coming out in a wetsuit. I'm not taking yeah, no I chances.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, we all have stories of the Salmon River. I mean, but the thing you got to understand, you're not going, I mean, it's beautiful river. But you're, you're not really going up there for the scenery and seclusion. No. You're going up there to have a good time and catch fish. And you better expect this kind of chaos. I mean, if you're going up there and you're thinking like, oh, <laughs> it's going to be peaceful and quiet. And it's just not. Um, Can I tell you
1: about today, though? Yeah. Okay. After 11 o'clock, we didn't see another boat. And we really? saw two people on shore. It was absolutely beautiful. I mean, it, it was perfect. Wow you know, the water got fucked up, uh, kind of got screwed around with a little bit. And it was a little funky. The fish were acting funky, but we got into them and it was very nice. It was very pleasant not having other angles. We were the only boat out there. You know, we pulled off at dark. You know, most guys put in early and they're off by two. And my, my racket up there is put it at nine and stay till dark, let the other guys go, go through. I don't want to jockey spots with everyone. Kind of want that seclusion, even if it means a couple less fish, but
0: Yep, I agree. Um, I will tell you one, one story that happened to me this year because we were up there with my buddy's girlfriend um, and we were just trying to catch her a salmon, just even hook a salmon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and we're fishing across from some guy who's, I mean, we're, we're standing on the bank and he's in the river fishing towards us. And he's not even close to these salmon. I mean, they're right on the bank, real tight, right? And, and we go in front of them because again, there's, I don't know if it was the right thing to do, but he wasn't even close to them. So we felt okay doing it. And I mean he starts casting at us, screaming at us, I'm fishing here, I'm fishing here. And we finally hooked a fish. And of course, it runs downstream into him. And you would think he would move out of the way. I mean, she's got the rod now, right? And we're screaming, having a good time, like, yeah, you're you're gonna get a fish, you're gonna get a sh-. this guy. Doesn't move once. The line wraps around his legs and snaps off. And he doesn't even he doesn't even apologize, doesn't say anything. It's just cast, just keep casting. <laughs> I it mean, sounds
1: about right. Yeah. I
0: you mean, never so, know, you,
1: it's you gotta expect it. Yeah,
0: you gotta expect it. So
1: yeah, don't that's one thing you don't want to go out there thinking, you know, you're gonna get this wilderness experience because it's it's really not gonna happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And can I just can I throw this out there? Because this is the most common asked question. Are always. there bears? We're gonna see a bear. So there are no bear on the salmon river. Okay, <laughs> they are not there. You will not encounter one. And if you do, it's a rare, rare, rare occasion, but there are no bear eating salmon on the Salmon River. Is that just because there's no bears
0: or is that because there's so many people there there's no bear wants to get close?
1: Well, that's a good question too, because I never see wildlife on the river. I never see a deer, a Hmm. mink, a raccoon. I've never seen anything. I see birds, you know, eagles, osprey, grouse, stuff like that. Um, I don't think I have ever seen a deer walk across the river. Like you see them on the Delaware all the time. Yeah. It hurts. They're everywhere. And there's a yeah. lot of deer in Pulaski, but they just don't come to the river. I think it's because of the foot traffic, honestly.
0: Yeah. The um, Delaware is a special place, though. The Delaware, I mean, you see, you see everything. You see the bears, you see the turkeys
1: fly across. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. But you got to remember that, that the cool. salmon was a, uh, an Atlantic salmon fishery um, and never had those, you know, like a Pacific salmon, those big migrations um, and bears willing to hunt them. You know, this is not. Right, right, guys, right. This is an artificial fishery. Like these are basically an invasive species at this point, the kings. I don't know that you can ever get rid of them. Um,
0: let's, let's, let's get away from fishing for a second because there's a question I want to ask you. I've never talked to you about
1: it. What is this syrup operation you run? <laughs> so it's actually um, my buddy, it's on my buddy Lyle's property um he came on so we started making syrup a long time ago years and years ago my son and i started then uh, my buddy got into it and we made our first um evaporator it was this crazy concoction out of an old oil tank that we had cut and rewelded, and made our own aluminum boiling pan and all this right it was pretty pretty hokey Um, and we were doing bucket taps out of my yard and his dad's yard and so he moved and found a piece of property with a bunch of maples and was pretty adamant about starting this uh, business and so ended up um, you know teaming up with him and have been working pretty hard on this syrup operation for the past four years so um, we're getting pretty pretty big now
0: it's it's all maple syrup i mean how much syrup do you get at the end of the year how many trees have you
1: have tapped this year we're hoping to get 125 to 150 gallons of finished product
0: That's okay a lot of maple so That's i have 18 of- i have 18 chickens
1: <laughs> yep
0: and i cannot eat 18 eggs a day what does one do with 150 gallons of syrup once
1: you're all done with well, this operation you know people people have a tendency to want to buy maple syrup so it oh, goes okay. a lot of it the, the past few years, you know, a lot of it has gone into gifts and giveaways and stuff like that. But there's a couple farm stores that um the that it's selling to and um a couple feed stores, a couple general stores. Um, that's really it. That's really all that the product went to, other than word of mouth. I sold a lot to you know clients and stuff like that. He sold a lot to some of his clients, um, a lot of the product went into stores and a lot of it just got given away, to be honest. This year is like really the money money making year. We, the RO got invested into um, uh, a whole new boiler, the sugar shacks done. We got the milk tank for storage. So it really pumping up the volume this year and it, there's gotta be a payback at some point. So we need to start actually, you know, so. marketing a little bit better and selling it. Yeah.
0: Do we have a a name for the company yet?
1: Sticky Beards.
0: What was that? Sticky
1: Sticky Beards. Sticky Beards. Sticky Beards. (laughs) Perfect. I I love it.
0: Uh, It's not cheap to get into it, though. Uh, Actually, in my mailbox, a catalog for, I don't even know what the term is, syrup making? Are you a syruper? What are you? Are you a
1: a sugar maker?
0: A sugar maker. So I I got a catalog in the mail for this process, and the equipment to start is not cheap. It's almost like fly fishing. Yeah. Gotta, it's like a high startup cost. I mean, there's not and a.
1: It is. It, it. Well, you can start off pretty low like I did with a, just a regular single turkey fryer burner and a five gallon pail or a five gallon uh, stainless steel pot, you know. And that's how I started. You can make enough for your family for a year just by doing that with a couple trees. The ratio is anywhere between 40 to one to 50 to one um, gallons. So, when it's really pumping out like high sugar content at the beginning um, of the run, you're doing about 40 gallons of sap to make a gallon of syrup. That's the ratio. Um, And then later in the season, you're maybe 50 to one.
2: I hear this, the back of my head's thinking, all right, so it's a ginormous tree he's got a, like a, a keg tap into this tree and he just turned the faucet and then the sap just <laughs> comes out. I, like In my mind, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, and then, and then I don't know what the, the process after that, but is, is that about right?
1: So yeah, basically it's xylem and phloem. You know, you're going back to, you know, earth science class um, and or, um, plant science class and you're working with xylem and phloem. The, the tree's sucking up the water out of the ground. And storing it, and then it flushes it um, in the in you know on those. We're looking for really cold nights and warm days, and that's going to flush those trees. Some trees use their sap to uh, defend themselves from insects. Um, these are not necessarily doing that. It's just a yearly um, flush of sap. And if you have maple trees, you have cracks in the trees at your house. You'll see them just dripping, oozing um from those spots so all we got to do is just you know put a hole in the tree and that's gonna draw that sap out and we hook ours up to basically a vacuum um so it's a sealed line and that helps draw a little bit more out of the tree out of that particular spot that we that we put the the hole into but there's a lyle's really the mastermind behind it i'm getting there i'm learning a lot i'm into it um, and have a lot of time and, and energy put into it, but it's really his baby.
0: Okay, naive question. So it, it is constant flow. I mean, you put this thing in there, and then you just walk away, and somehow the syrup comes out of the tree, and
1: it flows according to the temperature. Like, And, you know, some days it's flowing really good. Other days it doesn't flow at all, and it can be hour to hour, too.
0: Gotcha, but it flows so- out of the tree. into. I mean, I've seen these these things in your photos, right? It flows into like a tube and that tube goes into a storage container?
1: Yep, so the way we have it set up, uh, we used to have just a tap with a line going into a bucket. And so we had to hand collect all the buckets and pour them into a big 55 gallon drum and then suck that into the boiler. It was a big process. Now we have main lines going through the woods um, to a holding tank. So everything is going into a one-inch line. There's a bunch of little. It's like a. It's like the internet, you know, or like the grid. So all these trees. Some trees have two taps. Some have one tap, like a multi-family house or a single-family house. They all go into the main line, and that main line goes downhill and on a vacuum. So it's gravity-fed and vacuum into um, this giant milk tank, holding 600 gallon holding tank. From there, we'll draw it into the RO. And hopefully reduce it down to half, so we're not using as much wood to um, heat up the evaporator, and and evaporate all the water and turn it to sugar. That's the goal.
2: Man, no I, wonder, I can no, wonder no wonder maple syrup costs so much. Every time we go to the store, it's a yeah, process. the real deal
1: expensive. The real deal is expensive seventy five, you know, eighty bucks a gallon. <clears throat> um, but the um, the the best thing about it is the timing because the fishing really sucks and it's usually really cold in February so that's when a lot of the work's going on and into March so I got a great excuse when I'm not working this be in the woods
0: I could talk about this all day but we have to get back to fishing but I have one more question because do you do anything fancy with it do you try to make like blueberry bourbon syrup or yeah
1: okay, no we're, we're thinking about candies next year um we're, we're thinking about getting into candies. No, we haven't really done, what did Lyle had something that was, what was it? It was maple flavored something that we could make. Like he goes, we could make this. I had it, it was delicious. I can't remember, oh, I can't remember what it was. I'm sorry. But yeah, so the candy is really the easiest way um, to, you just go beyond Um, the syrup, and you candy it. You're basically turning it into granulated sugar at that point. Um, And then, yeah, and then you can make candies and, you know, maple fudge, maple candies, hard candies, all kinds of different things. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, My personal favorite, okay, venison, sausage, patties. When you're mixing it, mix in some sticky beard maple syrup, and it will change your morning. I'm telling you.
0: Well, I'll tell you. There's there's two problems with that. One, I cannot shoot a deer for, to save my life. I okay. am uh, two, The two years I've tried this far, or last year and this year, I am over for two. The second problem is, is I do not have any sticky beard maple syrup to put yes. in my we, venison. So we we're gonna that. we're gonna
1: have we to rectify that. There's, yeah, we need really need to set something up to do mail order and. Um, and get some shipping going we did ship last year actually i shipped a bunch to iceland to my buddies there and it never made it oh no
0: oh man
2: i mean nowadays with social media they make sounds get setting things up so easily like on instagram you can just sell stuff on instagram shopify like the the way the internet's built nowadays you don't we i mean a website's there for info but like most of the sales nowadays is all through social media and it's, it's, it's it's crazy
1: yeah, and you can even, I mean, you just, you got to build, a, you got to put up a shopping account on um, on Instagram. You can sell, you know, whatever you want. It's pretty awesome. But we don't have an account um, set up. And I don't know that we will, but we're, I don't know. I'm trying to talk them into it.
2: Now, if my thing is, if it ever got that big, right, We and then you just made enough money that you don't even have to guide no more, would you even consider that or you just love guiding no too much?
1: I love it, dude. Okay. I love it so much it's insane i i i love my job
2: yeah you're the, you're like the part of the three percent in the whole world that loves their job
0: and wakes uh, up every
2: funny. morning to it what's
0: the um what's what's the least favorite thing about your job i ask a lot of guys this so i have a lot of answers actually i can tell you the number one thing but i'll, I'll let you
1: you go first I mean, I'm part of the problem. I'm going to be honest with the least, the, the, the worst part of my job is just being part of the crowd. There's so much pressure on the fish these days, and I, it's pretty serious. It's not like a joking thing, but I feel like I'm part of the problem sometimes putting pressure on these fish, you know, with the guys hiring me and the knowledge I have and, um, you know, trying to give them a little bit of an edge. It can be tough. That's like the hardest part. But other than that, it doesn't matter if it's a person who's never, fish before never been out of manhattan that's scared of the water whatever it is it's all we always make the best of it and i it's a challenge i love it uh it doesn't matter there it's just um i feel i feel the pressure of the fish is the hard part for me
0: yeah that's that's pretty much the number one answer except for it skewed a little bit differently because the number one thing that most guides tell me they hate most about their job is social media and it's it's from it's a two-fold thing because they kind of have to do it at this point to get clients yep and at the same time they're creating the problem what you just said because they're showing all these beautiful fish and then people come up there and now you're just one of the crowd right
1: no yep. you're you're yeah. absolutely right and you'll notice um there you know i used to post a lot on i didn't post on the delaware it's just, it, it was too sensitive for me Yep, i didn't yeah
0: yep. no you remember i reached out to you what was it two years ago yep. i was yep. like because you were posting wow. non-stop and all of a sudden you went quiet yep. and i was like Where's my buddy Matt? What's happened to him? Is he okay? Is he, is yeah, he depressed? I, I don't know. Through
1: this thing where the Salmon River was fine. Those fish are migratory, but put the pressure on those fish on the Delaware, it just got so out of control the past two years. And this year, I was just like, I can't put a post up. It was really hard not to. Yeah. You know, yeah, I get, just got to keep my guys informed that, yeah, the fish are here. We're doing good, but whatever. Right. Yeah. They know. We we could,
0: that. We'll talk about the Delaware a different time because there's just too yep. much there. Uh, um, I will bring up one topic though. Did you see the new thing they're thinking about doing with regulating the amount of boats that go down the Delaware? Nope. I don't know if it's just, I think it's just all talk right now, but um, there's a little bit of emotion going on where they think they're going to do something like out West where they want to regulate the amount of boats that go down. Um, and yeah, I there's, the problems. Always,
1: there's always talk. I mean, there, there's always talk of this or that, or the other thing. I don't know. It's tough. It's a touchy subject yeah and you're like like you said that's a whole nother conversation i don't even want to get into it
0: i i don't either yeah and um uh, i i mean yeah we could talk about it a different time i don't want to
1: and the thing that sucks is we don't want to talk about it because we love it so much
0: i, I <laughs> love that river i am i'm searching for property up there right now because i want to get a house on the river and oh my god i would i would i would die up there honestly it is just such a beautiful place um you got anything else? Any questions you want to ask Matt here?
2: Yeah, I was gonna ask Matt. Um, you have any have you had any really memorable trips with the client? Say maybe like a blue-collar guy from Manhattan that works oh seven hours, I mean seven days a week, doesn't never fish a day in his life, comes down, books a trip with you, and gets on the water and you make it like just, I don't know what kind of crazy story you have.
1: It, it happens all the time, but um oh, man
2: too many it's can't, they pick mostly which one.
1: the best days are the days that the guys come in and they're just not confident
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and i gotta reassure them that this is not rocket science it's, it's just fishing you know it is what it is there's good days and bad days um but i mean definitely some that stick out are that's mostly on the other river okay the other river the other. where i have those super because it's such a difficult river Okay. And those are the rewarding days as a guide. Like when you think the impossible, it's not going to happen. And you, you know, and you really work hard with mm-hmm. these people and teach them and get them going. And, and then it happens. Those are the days that are awesome. Um, the, the salmon fishing and the steelhead fishing, you know, you can get people casting with a switch rod. It's a glorified roll cast. It's relatively easy. And, you know, I try and get them watching the indicator. So the the, the technique and the fishing for the steelhead is actually pretty on the um, less technical side. Let's put it that way. Um, so the the reward has come more on on the Delaware, teaching people and getting people on fish that don't have the confidence or the knowledge or whatever than than the um, the salmon rivers. You know, it's a pretty like I said, it's a pretty special place. It's got a lot of fish. And, uh, you usually can get people on fish up there pretty good. So I don't know if that answered your question, but
2: uh. it, 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 it does, it doesn't have to be a member of story. It's just more like, you know, I, I'll
1: just, the one thing I'll never forget is one of my, it was my first year, my second year. I had a kid from TRD Toyota racing. Okay. Worked. He was young, worked his butt off to get where he was. And he came up and he had a day on salmon. That he just crushed. I can't remember how many fish he caught, and he was hilarious because he was just, you know, just like me and you fishing. He was just a dude, and that was pretty memorable because it was one of those first experiences. Like, oh, my clients can be—I don't really like using that word. My, you know, my sports can be buddies, and you know, we can be buddies and pals, and it's not just a work situation. So that actually taught me a lot that day alone on how to be a good guide
2: do you do you, i mean do you my my other question was that one. do you preferably like to take new people out like like say uh novice fly anglers or do you preferably like to take people like that's more intermediate or you know more like expert level i know a lot of people guides that you know they take out like expert level people they don't like to listen they think they know what they're doing and then uh, you know as a guide number one job and we always tell everybody on the podcast is you don't know what you're doing listen to the guide it's their job they do this 24 hours a day seven days a week they know what they're doing even if you're an expert in catching largemouth bass in this lake and you can land 10 pounders all day they're not going to walk into another person's backyard and be able to catch
1: that same 10 pound bass it doesn't work that way I'll tell you what. I don't care who, what guide you are, and where you are, or whatever. You're always going to have a client or a sport that is going to teach you something. Mm-hmm. It happens every day for me. I learn from my guys every day, or my girl. I love fishing with the kids. Okay, mm-hmm. I do a fly fishing <laughs> camp on the Delaware. I love getting them up involved on the salmon because it's totally doable. They're like, oh, those are huge fish. I love watching those kids lean into those fish, um, and you know, getting the girls involved i'm i'm you know this was a year few years ago i was pretty adamant about the stereotype of a fly fisher person you know so got you know supported 50 50 on the water supported brown folks fishing wanted diversity i didn't want to see the same people out on the water so that's huge for me and you know a, a lot of people are out of their comfort zone um when they get out on the water and that's kind of my job i want to make them feel comfortable you know yeah you haven't been out here and done have, you haven't done this a lot, or you've never done this? You're new to this. The biggest thing is just get them out there and let them feel comfortable and confident, make them safe so they can have a, you know, it's all about having fun. Fishing is great to catch, but fishing's fun, and that's the way that's the way I want to keep it.
2: I'm gonna agree with you with the kids though, because kids are like they're like a sponge. I mean, they don't have to slay fish all day to have fun, right? As long as they're in the water, they get to cast something. And they you, you could tell them what color trees those are. Why are they there? Look at the ducks swimming. You know what? They're yeah. like sponges. They'll absorb all that. And they'll be, they will have the time Dogs of their life.
1: Spray and flipping over rocks. And yeah. yeah, I could be like, hey, you guys want to learn about insects? Let's turn yeah, this rock go. Insects going everywhere. There's bugs under that rock. And you can do that to an adult. And they would be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. But no, I mean, yeah, I I definitely enjoy, I love fishing with expert fishermen. Okay. Mm-hmm. I learn a lot. I get to watch them. I improve. Um, I feel rewarding, rewarded when I put them on fish and they they're like high-fiving me that I did a good job. That makes you feel good, you know, doing my job, doing what I'm supposed to do. But at the same time, um they're helping me, you know, every day. Doesn't matter who it is. I'm I'm learning from them every day.
0: Awesome, uh, Matt. Couple, two more questions for you, and then we'll let you go. Get back to your family. No, I'm there. good.
1: I'm having fun.
0: Are you <laughs> good? Uh, if I was to ban you to a piece of water, where are you? Where are you going?
1: I mean there's a lot of places i haven't fished yet so
0: well that's that's the that's the follow-up question so but but if i was to ban you to a piece of water i mean you're going out west you're going into your beloved delaware you sticking on the salmon
1: i'd probably go to the to um i'd probably go to a river i fished in europe and hang out there
0: europe europe
2: oh that sounds
1: nice quiet little river in the mountains and great fishing and no one was around beautiful backdrop of castles in the back and it's the town that budweiser was invented you know what town is Great this it's called the chesky kremlov it's in czech republic okay uh, right on the austrian border and it was a freaking awesome place to go fishing just the backdrop alone was amazing
0: it was it was trout waters i'm assuming right
1: yep yep browns
0: awesome um and then the follow up question to that is where's your dream where 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 you're going anywhere in the world where are you going and, and I'm coming right,
1: <laughs> okay. Hawaii, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, it's definitely gonna be on the salt, Bobby. I don't know where, but somewhere on the salt. I have not done a lot of that. I'm going, you know, I'm heading out Tuesday to go fish in Charleston. I can't wait. Get, you know, hopefully, just the experience alone will be great. Um, but. It would definitely be somewhere tropical and saltwater for something cool. I don't know. You can pick. If you want to go, you can pick.
0: I will meet you in Hawaii.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's
0: something we've talked about a little bit too much, I think. We should we should go there, I believe.
1: I think so. <laughs> Lots of opportunity there.
0: Yeah, yes. They yes. got everything
2: there. You can go to Christmas Island. You can go for GTs and stuff. Why not? Break out the 12-week, guys. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, I think it would be pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't know. The other place, you know, I mean, I've I really enjoy fishing in Iceland a lot. Iceland. Yeah.
2: All, the, all these cool places. I'm, I I've never thought I would have some kind of crazy fisheries, you know. Like I've I've heard of like New Zealand because Bobby talks about it all the time, the trout yep. fishing over there. And I'm just like, okay.
0: Yeah, I haven't talked about Iceland before, but I was supposed to go. Um, but it's a double-edged sword because I was it was a trip with my wife. Mm-hmm. She really wanted to see the northern lights mm-hmm. as everyone that goes to iceland should but the so the best time to see northern lights is like january and in january you know you you can do in iceland uh pretty much nothing fishing season fishing season is actually closed in iceland in january for all those people yep. that want to know so when i looked at my wife and i said <laughs> no we are not going in january if i can't wet a rod we're not going so um it is on my list for for sea run browns though i mean it looks pretty Atlanta sweet out there and yeah. and
1: it's all pretty, I actually caught an Ice Age resident brown, that was probably one of the coolest fish I've ever caught was this like native wild stream brown in Iceland and and Raven said that that's an Ice Age fish, you know, they don't have hatcheries, He's like that fish has been here that, that strain has been yeah, here it's forever. Cool. that's awesome, that, pretty cool as, as native as it gets
0: that is awesome
1: um, well, yeah. Oh, dude, that's such a hard question because there's so many places that I love to fit like the Deschutes. I mean, that's my favorite place ever. I know. But would would I want to go back there and fish it today? No. Would I want to go back and fish it like I did when I was 18? Looking up to these, you know, few guys that were out there not seeing jet sleds and side planers and other drift boats. I mean, those are like the renegade days that we all love the glory days. Mm-hmm. We all want to relive.
0: Yep. I wish I was around for them, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but, Quai, got anything else or should we start wrapping this up?
2: Um, One last thing. Like, if if someone wanted to book a trip with you, which months would you recommend out of, like, the whole season? You know, spring, summer, fall. I know every month has its good fisheries, but, like, yes. ideally, just... mm-hmm.
1: It depends on what you like. If you say, I don't want crowds, you're not going to come in October. I mean, you get the DSR, you get away from uh, the, the, the DSR stands with the Douglas and Salmon Run. It's a pay to play, it's like a ski resort. You have um, season pass holders and then you have public, but they only sell X amount of tickets. So if the season pass holders show up, they're only going to let X amount in to that uh, um, cap on a daily basis so you get away from the crowds it's they have river walkers um, that kind of say okay you know you're a little too close make sure that everyone's playing by the rules Mm -hmm. i really enjoy guiding down there i really enjoy guiding down there um it's just an awesome place to fish so you know it's it just depends i prefer this time of year okay you're still going to get some pretty bright fish you're going to get some you know fish that have been in the river for a while but the crowds are disappearing you still get like one of the fish we had today it was a great fight on a seven weight 10 foot seven weight it took quite a while to get in the fish made some great runs and and you know it was a quality fish i wouldn't i wouldn't trade it for anything and neither i don't think bob who i had in the boat today would either he thought it was awesome so um just no one around today it was a nice pleasant day it was 35 so that's hit or miss you could tomorrow is going to be ice cold you know and I don't, I don't think anyone really wants to be out there, um, when it's blowing 50 miles an hour and it's two degrees out. So, but that's the gamble you take a fishing in the winter. Um, it's, it's kind of just what you want out of it. If you want numbers, you know, you're going to want to come in, in late October, November. If you want the quality experience I like right now, you know, it's getting really quiet. You're getting great days There's snow. It's beautiful backdrop um may uh march can be pretty dang good too you know as that as the uh water and the days get warm you get a lot of stone fly a lot of bug movement in the water and the fish could be pretty dang good then but yeah, I, um i, I, I like haven't experienced, i haven't experienced the drop back bo- drop back season but i heard it's a zoo
0: yep i like march that's 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 when i went with you i, I guess it was two years ago now but
1: three um, i think it was three years ago
0: was it three years now geez it feels I, like yesterday um but yeah, it was not too cold. I think the people have kind of given up on it at that point. So there's not a lot of pressure. I mean, it's kind of, they're starting to wait for the drop back season. And uh, it, I mean, we had a great day that, well, great. You start days. to see
1: a lot of regulars this time of year. I yep. see my, you know, the regulars who I'm friends with, you know, I've seen them for uh, four, five, six, seven, eight years now, start seeing the same people recognize them, fired up conversations. And that's kind of nice is that community. That's, this is when you start to feel that first sense of community on the fishery. It's not people moving back and forth, flying from all over the world to fish to these fish. You got the guys that are kind of diehard and you start seeing on a regular basis and that have maybe been there all season, but there's so many other people you just don't notice them.
2: All right. Well, that ends the questions on my end, Bobby.
0: Yeah. Uh, so so matt we'll start wrapping this up we really cool. appreciate having you on i, I love seeing you yeah um, i great. Mean, i ran into you on the delaware last year which was really exciting i mean you were doing one bug but so we didn't get to say hello too much um but it's always a pleasure to see you and hear your voice
1: um yeah, absolutely be,
0: before i let you go is there any social media websites companies that you sponsor or that sponsor you that you want to plug or
1: not really you know not really just you know be sure to visit um be sure to visit the tailwater the west branch angler practice catch and release respect people around you and respect the fish in the river that's what it's all about
0: yep those are two top-notch resorts right there i mean i've stayed at the tailwater and i've got married at the west branch so uh they're they're number one in my book if you're going up there it's only a four to five hour trip from jersey Yep. um or, or even pennsylvania so it's not a big haul for a, a weekend totally doable um look up matt here obviously and he'll get you on some fish
1: yep any anything i can do to help that's why i'm here
2: all right well that's great so uh so once again matt just to clarify that like if, if anyone wants to book a trip with you uh just look you up on tailwater lodge's website they should be able to find you yep, there they can
1: get a hold of the tailwater or the west branch that's going to be the best way um okay. As of right now, to get um, working on a website that'll have um, a booking um, page on there, but that's not going to be up for a little while. Okay. So I yeah. So right now, it- either of the resorts or reach out to me on Instagram m undercase e flyfish.
2: Sounds perfect. Good. We'll definitely put that up on the uh, on our Instagram when we post this up. If you guys awesome. want to look for him. Uh, but once again, Matt, uh, you were a wealth of knowledge. I feel like I could walk down to Alaska right now and probably probably catch a fish with just what you just walked through. And I, and I guarantee this is only about 10% of what's up there in that noggin of yours. But, you know, we appreciate you sharing some of the secrets and some of the information uh, for our anglers out there. Because, you know, our like your guide, your main goal is to make, improve people, make sure they catch fish and just make it every angler, try to help them out to be a better angler. That's that's kind of a, our goal for our podcast. You know, We try to help the people out there as much as we can just to give them a little edge on the, the fisheries that we have around here locally.
1: Yep, knowledge is power, man. The more you know, the better off you are. So no, I think it's awesome you guys are doing this. I really appreciate you guys reaching out and asking me to be a part of it. I hope I did a good job for you guys and and uh, inform the people out there what they need to know. It was an honor.
2: Sounds great. It was a great one. Hopefully Bobby doesn't leave me out on, on any of these trips going up there fishing with you.
1: You know, I'll I, it up.
0: I tell you when I'm going, <laughs> the problem is, is you go, it's too cold and you come just never come.
1: <laughs> I'll take good carry in the fall. <laughs> or Bobby would
2: call
0: me last minute. Like, Hey, uh, I'm going up this that, weekend. You that's usually what it is. It usually is. I'm going to Pulaski. You want to come? You
1: know, I'm going to throw it out there just because not, it's not very known, but, um, the Salmon River also is an incredible fishery, not only for migratory fish, but um, pike, smallmouth, gar, carp. There's all kinds of stuff in that river to catch throughout the year. So most people look at it as a migratory fishery. All of us wanna be fishing for trout um, in the summer, but don't ever overlook if you're up in that neck of the woods. Um, you can reach out to me, or reach out to the Tailwater, but there's uh, other local guys that fish up there all summer. And it can be, a, it can be blessed. No one around, you know, there's no other fishers up there in the summer. It's crazy. And it's a great fishery in the summer. So.
2: 100%. I definitely got to make it, especially, especially going out to West branch too. Cause Bobby talks so much about the, uh, the, uh, the Delaware and how the fishery is up there. And I just want to get up there. I'm just like, it's gotta be such a good fishery up there.
1: It's pretty awesome. The fishery is great. The river's great. I mean, it's a special place. So yes, please come and check that out. Definitely, we're gonna set something up, Bobby.
2: Uh, yep. But like I said once again, thank you, Matt. Thank you for coming on. We, I enjoyed, yep. I enjoyed this podcast every minute of it, uh, Bobby.
1: Right, I did too.
0: That's it. Thanks, Matt. I'm really, I'll, 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 I'll see you eventually. <laughs>
1: We'll trade some syrup for some eggs now that you're a chicken farmer. Fine, you got it. <laughs> Although <laughs> I, I eggs think are I, kind
0: of expensive these days. Eggs have gone up in price with inflation. Yeah. So I mean
2: yeah. well, I mean, so is maple, man. They're they're not even it's hard to find them in store shelves nowadays, too. So you guys might have,
1: go through the roof this year. We might have <laughs> we might be able to control the price on syrup this year. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're
2: gonna make it you're gonna make enough, you're gonna buy your own outfitter. Sticky beard. your own guy Sticky the monopoly. Beard. Yep. I mean, that's the combo right there. Bobby's got the eggs. You know, we got the eggs. We got the bacon. Make
1: breakfast it, happen. Make that breakfast the happen. Process, there you go. Surface. Sticky exactly. beards.
0: Sticky beards. Make <laughs> breakfast happen. That's it. That's your slogan. That's, <laughs>
2: that's it. your slogan. Yeah, come I out love the, it. Come out <laughs> to Sticky Beards Outfitters. We'll t- we will put you on the fl- we'll put you on fish and then give you a breakfast in the morning.
1: Breakfast you can't beat. That's
2: there you it. go. All right, well, Matt, have, All a, right, great, Matt. have a great night. Uh, me and Bobby's going to stay on a couple extra minutes, and we're going to close this out. But once again,
1: sure,
2: we, we enjoyed it. Thank you for coming on. You have a great night now.
1: Yep, you too. Thanks, guys. All right, see you, Matt. Bye.
2: Oh, man, Bobby. Ugh. You weren't lying, Matt. He's a fishy guy, dude. So, so good. This was so good. I, I
0: love him. I just love everything about him. His personality, the way he thinks about fishing—I mean, he's a fishy guy. He's just an all-around great person.
2: Yeah, he's—he's he's one of those guys that you like—you would enjoy every minute of the day on the water with him. Yeah, just he has that personality that just makes you want to be like, you know what, I could spend all day in the river. You know,
0: yep. a- every minute. I mean, and like I said, uh, we talked about earlier, steelheading is not for the weak-hearted. You will be, there'll be lots of downtime. I mean, you fish all day and you might catch two, um, but just hanging out with a good guy like Matt and shooting the crap and having fun doing it. That's it. And enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, he's, he's one of my favorite people in this world, I think.
2: Man. Uh, so once again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with me closing it out, thank you for hanging out with us. Learning everything there was to, about from Matt from Tailwater Lodge and West Branch, um, Lodge. Uh, check those out. If you guys want to book a trip with him, uh, we'll definitely put his link for his Instagram and the lodges right in, below in the comments if you're looking for him. And also check out our Instagram or Facebook where we'll have information for him on there also. Um, but once again, if you haven't already done so, please make sure you like, subscribe, follow us on Facebook at Tide Chasers Podcast on Instagram at Tide Underscore Chasers um follow my follow me on the instagram that that asian angler or follow bobby over there fishing with a phd uh our contents were over there we're always posting stuff about the podcast on there so you'll be able to follow us um besides that any closing remarks bobby
0: that's it everyone stay warm it's time to tie some flies uh it's almost ice fishing season i think this week into next the ice will be safe so if you're going to do that be safe um and and tip up
2: Sounds good. All right, well ladies and gentlemen, have a great night. Tight lines. We'll see you on the next one.